prayer request. And by course, I mean she was here. So let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13. And here we have like, some good thoughts for the new year. Talking about the most important thing in life is love. Love and charity, really. And here in chapter 12, verse 31, it says, Covet the best gifts, and I show you a more excellent way. He was talking about spiritual gifts in chapter 12, about tongues and things like that. And then here in chapter 13, he's going to go into the more excellent way, which is love, charity. Charity, how we show love to people around us, charity. And so we've preached on this a couple years ago now, but... uh, uh, we're going to take a little different tack on it today. But anyway, here we have chapter 13. It talks about, uh, though we do all kinds of things, and we do the most that you could ever possibly think about doing, and we don't have love or charity, it doesn't profit anything. And in chapter 13, verse 1, here's a verse that the Pentecostals like to grab. And it says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And they say, oh, they're speaking in tongues, is the tongues of angels. But no, it isn't. Uh, This gift of tongues in the Bible is a known language. And uh, they're not really speaking with tongue of angels here. This is what they call hyperbole. You know, it's exaggeration to make a point. That's a figure of speech, just like simile, metaphor, hyperbole. And so here we have an exaggeration. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have charity, it's nothing. And then verse 2, I have the gift of prophecy. And of course here it says, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. We're never going to understand all mysteries and all knowledge. But that's a hyperbole again, exaggeration. And though I have all faith and we have all everything and we don't have love, it counts for nothing. And so, you know, we can do a lot of works for the Lord, we can be very busy for Him, but we have to do them for the right reasons, out of love, out of love and charity. And then we go on here, it gives this famous things about charity and love here in verses 4 down to 7. And the first one there is, charity suffers long. What does it mean to suffer? We talked about suffering in Sunday school this morning. And, you know, David suffered. He had Saul chasing him all over the place. And we suffer. And we have sickness or whatever. But anyway, but it says here, love suffers long. It suffers with injustice. It suffers with slights and insults. Charity suffers long. It suffers because of love. Suffers with wrong. It's kind, it doesn't vaunt itself, it doesn't put itself forward. Uh, Here today we have the selfie generation, as I've talked about many times. We had a a little game last night at our anniversary thing, and they had a list of things that people were supposed to guess about myself and Ira, and one of them was, did we ever take a selfie together? Well, no, we never have. Not as such. Yep, never took a selfie. And, of course, nobody knew about selfies many years ago. But anyway, uh, love is not concerned with itself, with its selfie. 
It vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up. Love is friendly. Friendly. And we should be friendly. Friendly to people. That's the first thing of love. Say hello. Be friendly. Uh, my neighbors in Smyrna have never learned that. But anyway, be friendly. Say hello. And then it says, love does not behave itself unseemly. Doesn't have bad manners. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. And you know, something that this whole passage talks about is that we need to have a thick skin. A thick skin. What does that mean? That means that we aren't thin-skinned, that we don't take offense in every little thing. We have to have a thick skin and put up with things, not easily provoked. And then the next thing here, thinketh no evil. I had an illustration of that brought to my mind just recently when we were taking a walk around Smyrna there in Delaware. And Ira loves to walk, and I go with her a lot of the times. But anyway, we were walking one day, and it was dark, and we all of a sudden came upon uh, some decorations there, and there was a blown up, you know how they have the blown up figures and all that? Well, the thing is, this one had a blown up manger scene, and I had never seen that before, and so, so I said to Ira as we were walking by, I said, uh, I never saw that before, a blown up manger scene. Well, it just so happened that the guy that put it up was standing in the shadows there over to the side there. I didn't see him when I was talking, but anyway, I said that. And uh, then I tried to say hi to him, and he gave me a really bad scowl. And he looked uh, really nasty, and you know, I figured later he had taken wrong what I had said. And he thought that when I said that it was, I'd never seen one of those before, that that was a negative comment. But I didn't mean it as a negative comment, but he took it that way. And you know, a lot of times we do that. We take things negatively that aren't really negative. And here, it's, that's what I was talking about right here. Thinketh no evil. Thinketh no, you don't try to come up with evil about other people or their motives or whatever they're doing. And then verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love can put up with a lot of stuff if it's really the love that comes from the Lord. Well, then let's go over to James chapter 3. And we want to talk about that love and what we say and what we say. And that's a very important thing. That we have to have love in word, in word. And we have James chapter 3, a very famous passage. The fam of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is the most famous passage in the world, in the Bible on love. And here we have James chapter 3 is the most famous passage in the Bible on the tongue, on what we say. And verse 2 of James chapter 3. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Are there any perfect people out there? No perfect people on this earth right now. But it says if we're able to keep our tongue really well, perfectly, we'd be a perfect man. But there's no one that's able to keep his tongue in line all the time. We have to work on that all the time to keep our tongue 
and what we say in line. And it's, it's hard to do that. And then it goes on here. Behold, we put bits into the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And so here it gives the principle of little things value a lot. Well, back in the days of the Bible, there was the horse, the great big horse, and you controlled that big horse with just a couple inch piece of metal in his mouth, a bit. And so that little bit controlled a big thing, a big horse. And then it goes on to the ships. The ships, though they be so great, and yet they're controlled with a small rudder. When I was a kid, I used to like to put together ship models. And you know, you'd have the big model, and then you have just a little piece down there at the end of the ship that was the rudder. And yet that rudder would control the ship wherever it went. And we had a really good example of that in World War II. In World War II, uh, you had the British, I mean the German battleship, the Bismarck. And the Bismarck was the biggest battleship of the time. It was huge. It had just blown up the British warship, the Hood, which was their newest warship, and battleship. And they were looking for the Bismarck, trying to sink it. And they finally found it. And, but they were having a hard time. But they were able to sink it because the, uh, they had a torpedo went and lodged in the rudder of the Bismarck. And it didn't blow up. It just lodged there. But it made it so that they couldn't control the ship. And I guess they were afraid to mess with it too much because it would blow up. And also it was stormy and they couldn't get it out of there. And so they were going around in circles and they got sunk because they were sitting ducks. Because of that small thing relative to the whole size of the ship, the rudder. And that's the same way with the tongue as we go on here in verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. And you know, the Bible has not much good to say about the tongue here. Very negative. It's a fire. It defileth. It setteth on fire. It's set on fire of hell. That's how bad a tongue can be. That's how bad. And it, it can kindle big things. Going back again to World War II, they used to have a saying in World War II, loose lips sink ships. Well, you know, it all it took was a little few loose words and a German agent might hear uh, when the convoy is going out or where it's going or whatever, and it uh, would sink some of the ships. Just a little word, and that's how it is in our lives. And you know, uh, the, the tongue is compared here to a fire, a fire. What do we know about fire? Fire can destroy huge amounts. 
forest fires, the great Chicago fire, San Francisco fire, or whatever. It can destroy big things, but fire does a lot of good. You can heat your house, you can get light, all those things. What's the difference? The difference is fire needs to be kept under control. Kept under control. And the same thing with our tongue. It needs to be kept under control that we don't talk the wrong things. And if it's not under control, it'll spread and do a lot of evil. And there are, there are three, three rules that I often think of that I've probably said before here for the tongue, I believe. One rule is that we must say those things that are true. First of all, true. But then again, it's not always necessary to say everything that's true. You know, if we think that something's ugly, we really don't need to say. In fact, uh, this past week, somebody told me that they didn't like my Christmas decorations. Well, you know, they didn't really need to say that. There was no necessity to say that, but they thought they needed to say that. But anyway, sometimes it's better to say nothing. And a lot of times it's better to say nothing. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, the tongue is a fire, and it can get out of hand very easily. And then we go on here to verse 7. For every kind of beasts and of birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. For it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Well, nature is consistent. And you know, every animal can be tamed pretty well. And the biggest animals can be tamed. The most ferocious animals can be tamed. Used to be you'd go to the circus and you'd see all the lions and tigers and elephants and all that at the circus. And they were tamed. And, of course, today the circuses don't even have animals because of the animal rights people. Of course, the animal rights people have, have a problem with training animals to do things. But I don't know. We train our children to do things. We train people to do things. I don't see any big problem with that. But anyway, uh, a few years ago we visited the Circus World Museum in Sarasota, Florida of the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bra Bailey Circus. Well, I brought back a magnet from the Ringling Brothers Circus, and it has something interesting on there. I have to read it with real fine print here. It says, nothing like them ever seen before. This is an old poster from the Ringling Brothers Circus. Nothing like them ever seen before. The Elephant Brass Band. They had elephants, and it says here, it says, they play popular songs of the day in time and in tune on big common brass band horns, and they are louder than a thousand human bandmen. 
Well, it's kind of hard to believe, isn't it, that the elephants played the horns and played a tune. And, uh, but anyway, that's what they're advertising here with uh, Barnum Bailey Ringling Brothers Circus, and they probably did. And so it's like this, script, this scripture right here, every kind of beast, the elephant, is the largest land animal, and yet they were able to tame them and can tame them. Of course, elephants are supposed to be uh, smart, and maybe they are that smart to play a band. Uh, but the tongue, nobody can tame the tongue. Nobody can. It's an unruly evil. You talk about unruly children. Our tongue is unruly. It's hard to make it do the right thing. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. These things ought not so to be. And the nature is consistent. A fountain doesn't send forth one day good water and the next day bad water and then back to good water and back to bad water. No, it's one way or the other. And a fig tree always gives figs. And it doesn't give olives. Nature is consistent. And so a Christian... He should always be trying to say some good things and doing good with his tongue and with his heart. So as we come to 2024, we need to remember that we need to show love. Show love in what we say and what we do. And then you go on down here to verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, a good manner of life, is what that means there, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And so the tongue is very important, very unruly, but we need to try to keep it under control, and we need to show our good works with our tongue and with our life, with meekness, it says here, meekness, humility. We're not supposed to have strife, fighting, trying to fight with each other. And then it says here, if we have strife, if we have envying, trying to be better than other people, well, it says, verse 15, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, earthly. And as I've mentioned before, and I'll mention again, I have it in front of my nose every day, the grounded souls across the street from me in Smyrna, and they're promoting get it being one with the earth. But the Bible doesn't have any good to say about that. It says earthly is bad. We want to look above, not look to the earth. It's earthly. And what does it go on to say about that? It says it's sensual and devilish, devilish. Those aren't the devils from Halloween. We came to church this morning and people still had their Halloween stuff up. But anyway, the thing is, it's not that stuff. They're talking about demons here. Demons. It's devilish. It comes from demons. The wisdom of this earth, the earthly wisdom. That's strife, envy, and saying bad things with our tongues. And so we want to be different than the world. Different. We don't want to have envying and strife. We don't want to have 
trying to, to pull people down so we can get up. And of course, I was just in Sunday school. They talked about the main election official. They wanted, she wanted to try to pull down Trump so she can get up. And we see that all over. And uh, no, that's not the Christian way to do things. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work, but we're supposed to be peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. And when we're offended, we have to be easy to not hold a grudge, easy to be entreated with mercy, good fruits, without partiality and hypocrisy. We want to sow peace in our lives. So as we come to communion today, let us try to sow peace in our lives. Let us try to show love. Help us to show love to those around us, charity, and help us to try to show love with our tongues. We don't want to have wagging tongues that want to tear other people down. We want to try to lift them up and have that wisdom that comes from above. Let's bow in prayer. Oh Lord, we pray that thou bless these thoughts to our hearts. And, O oh Lord, we pray that we might have that wisdom that comes from above. O oh Lord, just help us to say the right things, help us to do the right things, help us to be peaceable, gentle. And, O oh Lord, help us to endure all things, hope all things, believe all things. In Jesus' name, amen.